Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Jenny Petty, who is Vice President of Marketing Communications at the University of Montana. Jenny and podcast host Amrit Alawalia discuss marketing tactics that are becoming obsolete and how to remove friction to create a better modern student experience. Jenny Petty, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time out. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. So we're talking a little bit about transformation and change in in the marketing space. Um, And I'm curious, you know, as you think back on the last decade or so as a higher ed marketer and as, you know, a marketer in general, I suppose, what have been some of the most dramatic changes that you've seen shape or change the way that we conduct marketing in, in, in this space? You know, I'd go back even further and say the last 20 years have just been this really wild ride when we think about the marketing technology space. And what comes to mind for me is thinking about how we've changed our tactics and strategies to fit the changing digital landscape. So I think of like the rise of inbound marketing, which HubSpot really coined the phrase of that, but really that's that idea that organic inbound versus your traditional outbound. And even thinking about how those tactics have changed as search engine, search engine rules have changed, policies have changed. Um, what I'm seeing now, right, is there's this move for consumers becoming more and more educated about um, privacy concerns. And so we're seeing the digital landscape shift there too. And our tactics and our strategy have to shift along with that. And so I'm seeing the rise of things like personalization on websites. Um, obviously our social media landscape is changing rapidly and it feels like the end of an era. But when I think about, you know, how much has changed, what I've been, what I'm kind of blown away is to think about just how adaptable marketers and higher ed marketers have been in thinking about how to, to change with the, the landscape that consumers set for us. You know, I actually, I want to pick up on, on your point about inbound marketing because it's not super common in the post-secondary space to leverage a lot of inbound techniques and tactics. I mean, generally speaking, we operate in an industry that is pretty traditional and, and the marketing tactics have, have remained relatively similar. You know, we have, uh, we send out guidebooks, we do a lot of mailers, we do a lot of, you know, we're starting to see increasing um, uh, creativity around freemium uh, products, but, but you know, tradi- like solid inbound marketing, isn't that common? which makes your start in the post-secondary space as a content marketer very interesting. It's <laughs> such a missed opportunity in the post-secondary yeah. market because what are we, you know, these units, like the sector that I lead was a university relations department. What did they do? Mm-hmm. They did storytelling for the university. We've not, we've, I think post-secondary has had a hard time shifting the mindset of like, we're still doing content marketing. We just have to use it in a different way. And so I think a lot about what we're trying to do here is take long form content, which we create a lot of, and then you know, cut that up, splice it, make it into different pieces that can be used in an inbound program. I think you know, post-secondary, especially as we think about how the marketing in higher ed has changed and become more focused on enrollment rather than like brand awareness over the last decade, there's building an inbound marketing program takes time. Um, it takes patience and it's not as simple as the traditional tactics of like name buying and then, you know, doing direct mail or email marketing or things like that. Content marketing takes time to strategize and then it takes time to see the results because you have to let that organic traffic be your guide. Um, 
So I think there's there's a, a lot of missed opportunity in, in secondary education to use post-secondary education to use inbound. Absolutely. I, I'm curious, like, I mean, from your perspective, does some of that stem from a conceptual discomfort with marketing in general? I believe, yes, that's a really nice, kind way of saying it. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, Diplomacy. you know, yeah, I think in higher ed, I have colleagues who work for presidents where they're not allowed to say the word brand. And this is almost 2023. Yeah. So I think, yes, there is a discomfort with the idea of marketing or this idea that maybe at some of our institutions, we're better than that. We don't need that kind of thing. Um, and I think there's also this really quickly changing landscape that really started during COVID when we started seeing test optional become more of a thing, where some of the tactics that we've relied on for the last decade are going to become obsolete. And so I think inbound is the answer to that. Um, but convincing your campus, you know, I, God bless the CMO who's going to convince their enrollment people to stop buying names. Like it's just, it, it's a, it's an and both. Um, it's not a both yeah. or Right. And both. I don't know. I'm going to mess that I'm up. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an and or, it's a both and. Um, yeah. And so, but the proof is in the pudding too, right? Like you, you have to build the inbound program to show the results. So it's a chicken before the egg a lot of the time. Well, I'm curious about, you know, some of these tactics, because we, again, we, we're in a very, very traditional space. We tend to be change averse, but it's very difficult for marketers to be change averse as a concept. So I'm curious about, you know, some of the traditional marketing tactics and strategies you mentioned list buying that really need to be either adapted or abandoned as we kind of shift into serving this population of modern learners that behave and think like customers that have more choice than ever before. Yeah. And I think more so than ever before, consumers in the, in the education space are expecting experiences and process that align with what they're experiencing in other purchasing journeys. And so we've got to adapt the way we think about what we do, how we operate, the way we sell ourselves to align with what those consumers are experiencing. When a consumer can go to Netflix and Netflix can tell them, you know, here's movies that you're interested in, but they come to a higher ed website and they can't even figure out what programs are offered. There's a disconnect there and it causes friction. And what we want to do as marketers is remove that friction. I think the other thing that we've got to be really cautious about in our industry, especially when we talk about enrollment marketing, is the idea of vanity metrics. So, you know, thinking about this really quickly changing landscape of higher ed, we started to become really reliant on Facebook, Instagram, other social channels to help drive our funnel, to help fill our funnel, to help um, give us metrics on you know, where our audiences were and what they were doing. I don't think we can rely on those channels as much as we used to be able to. And I think that's going to become rapidly become even more so in the next couple of years. And so what are we doing right now to, to get ready for that instead of waiting until it becomes totally obsolete? That's interesting. That is interesting. I, I'm curious, like as we shift, because, you know, there all these different factors are in play, right? We're, we're serving uh, students who think and act like consumers, where we have more information at our disposal than we've really ever had before when it comes to engaging consumers. They have the ability to educate themselves and actually create a zero moment of truth more than they've ever really had in the past. Um, so 
we're serving this different audience. And we also, as marketers, have a different purpose in the post-secondary space now. It's not so much, to your point, about brand management. It's not so much about, you know, the, the, the number of times that marketers would talk about putting packages together for other university presidents so that in the rankings they they'd know and recognize each different institution like then now it really is about ensuring that that enrollment is is meeting institutional standards and needs how does that change the way that you and your team are going about the the profession of marketing when the role of the marketer is 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 transforming from being one that's more oriented to the brand to one that's really more oriented to the student yeah, and I would go further. I would say, you know, it's I think it's the brand is still really important, but I'd say what I'm noticing is that there's a um an alignment with strategy in ways that maybe there hasn't been before on campuses. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that was something that COVID helped for many marketing communications offices in the in the pre, in the post-secondary um space is COVID gave uh folks in in my kind of job and others that are communicators or marketers a chance to show how they could align on strategically with the institution. And, and it was more important than ever during COVID to communicate clearly, to keep people engaged, to drive community. And I think those things became evident during COVID. But now what we're fighting against as we come out of the pandemic is that we don't want to go back to being the kinkos on the campus. We don't mm-hmm. want to just design We don't want people to come to us with prescribed tactics. Like we want to be that strategic partner. And I'm seeing and hearing this from my colleagues across the country. It's just an ongoing education that has to happen on our campuses of how to work with each other. Um, Because what I tell my staff is that when I think about the students, it's like we have to understand and protect our constituents in the work that we do. And marketers are poised really, really well to be that that's, uh, wealth of information on campuses. We just want to lean more into that and do that. So when you think about some of the challenges that are going to shape higher ed marketing, certainly today, um, what are some of the things that are top of mind for you? What are you keeping an eye on? What are you, what's keeping you up at night? Like, you know, what, what are some of the things that marketers should be aware of? I'm not, I don't even want to talk about the enrollment cliff because goodness, we've been talking about that for a long time, but I am seeing a shift of reframing about, you know, talking about the enrollment cliff and starting to think about this other wealth of students and adult learners and and non-traditional learners Mm -hmm. that we haven't been focused on. And so I think reframing um, our mindsets around the enrollment cliff is going to be really pivotal and important as we help our institutions drive strategy. Like I said, social media is really top of mind because what's going on with Twitter right now. Um, I think we are seeing the end of this era that started, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, which is crazy when you think about that. Um, But we've got to be ready to think about, you know, people are still, they want community. How are we becoming the bridges to that community when we might not have these tools that we've used for so long? You know, it's interesting you think about the idea of this reframing the enrollment cliff, because I understand, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to come off as ignorant here, hopefully, and say, I don't understand why people are are scared of it. But by the same token, you know, we're, we're living in an environment where post-secondary institutions have been challenged on relevance, have been challenged on accessibility 
um, to, to broad audiences for decades, centuries as an industry. And this is really an opportunity that's going to force post-secondary institutions to think um, in very different terms about the kind of learners they can serve and how to serve them. So to your point, you know, you mentioned adult learners, there's traditionally underserved demographics, there's folks with some college but no degree. There's a number of audiences that the post-secondary institution, especially as a public institution, does have the opportunity to serve. You mentioned website personalization. I'm curious about some of the tactics you and your team are leveraging to make sure that every audience that could be served by your institution sees themselves at your institution. That's such a good question. You know, one area that we are hyper-focused on right now is our digital presence. So we um, are actually building a prospective student microsite, essentially. So like a lot of uh, .edu's, our primary higher ed website for our institution is has grown to be 44,000 pages, 600 CMS users. It's just something that I've seen happen over and over again. And so while we know we have to come up with a better web governance strategy there, what we did was we're like, well, okay, we've got to fix this perspective student experience, user experience. And so we're standing up uh, a website, a microsite that is catering to a variety of different students and will be heavily on personalization as we build out that functionality. Um, plug, plug, it's through Modern Campus. So we're very excited to be partnering with them on this. But um, it's not just as simple as the first time freshman anymore. We have to create an experience that can speak to them and deliver the type of content that they're looking yes. for and the type of information that they're looking for. And that comes back to the inbound piece, right? Like inbound marketing at its very core was about trying to take care of the consumer. And so that's what we're going to try to do with the site too. It's kind of neat when you think about that. Like I, I there's a part of me that kind of loves the direction we're going as an industry, right? Because like from the evolution perspective, our focus for, for years has been on defining and executing this concept of student centricity um, in, in an environment that's inherently institution centric. And it's great to see that that philosophy doesn't just have to live in the way that classes are taught or in the way that support services work or in the way different departments orient themselves. It can come down to something like how we practice marketing, ensuring that each learner really feels taken care of. Because that's that's really the first interaction that that individual is going to have with an institution. I love that you said institution centricity, you know, versus student centricity. That's something that we just recently, we launched a revitalized brand platform and positioning last spring. And we chose a really unique, bold approach to that. And it was because that's what the students told us resonated with them. And I think on a lot of campuses, what happens is the brand becomes a mirror to the institution uh, rather than aspirational and reflecting not only authentically who they are, but who they could be. And so we saw that pretty clearly. And I don't think that's often a place where people think of marketing being student centric, but we're, we're trying to do that here. Yeah, well, because uh, in so many ways, like whether it's creating that environment that a student feels comfortable, whether it's helping them see opportunities or engagements that are going to be relevant to them, there are so many ways for marketing to be student-centric. And I think the problem is that we oversimplify marketing when we think about what it's for, right? We kind of think about it as, you know, we've all heard that, oh, well, you know, that student, it's all, it's all the marketing fluff. That's why they're interested. And you're like, well, no, we're showing them the, the career outcomes that from different programs, like the programming is the meat, fine, but without visibility into what it's for, that student's never going to register. 
Yeah, it's true. It is interesting. So when you think about the role of marketing over the next five to 10 years, I mean, you've already spoken about the, the broad shift you've already seen marketing undergo over the last two years and with an enrollment cliff on the way, can only assume that that role continues to grow. How do you see marketing evolving over the next decade? What are some of the big changes we should keep an eye out for? You know, I think especially in post-secondary institutions, what I feel at the University of Montana is that we're on a cusp of redefining what the marketing function is. So yes, we do promotion. Yes, we design content strategy. Yes, we're doing the media relations and the external relations as well as you know the government relations. We're doing all of those things. But what I'm starting to see is there's this connective tissue that's building between our unit and other units on campus. And so we're starting to think about things like the brand experience. So, you know, in every instance, when, a, when a, anyone in our life cycle, you know, from a prospective student to an alumni experiences the University of Montana, is our brand coming through in a consistent way? Um, starting to think about, you know, the function that marketing plays in community building and helping people find belonging. Um, we're starting to think about you know, we're working really closely with enrollment management as always, and thinking about how we support them better in academic program marketing and things like that. So I think it's a, an exciting time. It can be a frustrating time to be in marketing and higher ed because of the Kinko's legacy. But we are, I think, on the cusp of redefining what the function is. And the truth is like, the function is more like you know, representing and uh, assisting with all constituents rather than just one single audience. It's, it's an interesting, but like, I'm curious, how, how does marketing play a role in driving sort of broader efforts to attract and retain students? Because that's, you know, if we think about the two major gaps that we're seeing for post-secondary institutions today, it's, you know, not enough students coming in the door. And then when they do, the completion rate is not necessarily where we want it to be. So how, how does marketing start to impact the, that, those efforts? You know, I think about retention marketing in the way that many companies would think about keeping a great customer. Mm. So I think where we can help is in helping to uncover the user experience where there's friction in the user experience and then using the tools in our, you know, basket to help solve for that. And it could be as simple as I've heard a statistic that the number one reason why freshmen leave is because of a lack of belonging, feeling like they don't belong on a campus. You know, can we help? our um, colleagues in student success or campus life, think about you know, how to remove the friction and, and find ways to drive that. Um, can we work with um, student success on things like uh, communicating you know, registrations and, and things like that? There's just a lot that I think the skill set in marketing communications can can assist on our campuses because what are we good at? We're good at communicating in a way that evokes emotion. And sometimes that's lacking. When everything feels transactional, somebody forgets why they've made the decision to come here. We have to remind them of that. And that doesn't stop once they register for their first classes. Absolutely. You know, I, I want to dive into that a little bit deeper because there's, there's an interesting sort of friction at play here. So on the one hand, when we think about marketing best practice, they tend to come from the... The, the commerce world, the business space, but there's a misalignment between the mission and focus of, of a revenue generating business and a nonprofit public post-secondary institution. So how do you define the best practices and the approaches 
that you'll draw from the business world when it comes to marketing best practice? And where does that effort to leverage those best practices stop? Like what's the limit? You know, I feel like that's, that's such an interesting question because I, when I think about where I find inspiration of what translates well to uh, higher ed, it's things like the hospitality industry, it's things like mm-hmm. health, healthcare, right? Yeah. Like when you think about how you need to move somebody through a healthcare system similar, um, you know, I think looking to who's doing innovative work online, our digital experiences, I don't delineate. I don't think they're going to be a place where we're pushing too far. If the consumer world is changing and our consumers are expecting a certain user experience or ease of use or things like that, we've got to match that in the higher ed space. Now, I think there are definitely marketing practices like we're going to be wary of from using from the business world, something that just wouldn't be a good fit either culturally for our campuses or um, that don't serve the mission of our institutions. And so You know, I think about even the way we recruit students here, uh, 42%, I think, of our students are first generation. You know, we could go out and we could purchase lists of really wealthy kids, but our mission is to be, um, you know, our president uses the words inclusive prosperity. So we, we are here to serve any and all. And so even our recruitment strategy is aligned that way. So I think I think it's just a matter of fit, right? There's probably going to be institutions where some of the business strategies fit better, but for culture and for the brand of the University of Montana, I want to make sure we just keep aligned with that. Makes sense. Now I'm going to pivot us slightly because those of you who are longtime listeners of, of the Illumination podcast will notice that you can hear Jenny probably more clearly than you can hear many of our guests. Uh, <laughs> and that's because Jenny uses a professional mic because in addition to her role as VP Marketing Communications at the University of Montana, for the last two years or so, she's been running a podcast called The Servant Marketer. Um, and it it's a fascinating it's a fascinating podcast. Um, I I first found out about it when I worked with your now colleague Stephanie Geyer. So I just wanted to give you some space to talk a little bit about why you launched the Servant Marketer podcast, some of the more interesting topics you think you guys have covered. Um, the floor is yours. Like, please. And by the way, if, if this conversation today has interested you at all as as a listener of Illumination, I would absolutely recommend you check out the Servant Marketer. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That's so, that means so much to me to hear that from you and and your experience as a listener. So the servant marketer started as my capstone project when I was doing my master's at Gonzaga university. So I did my master's in organizational leadership with a focus on servant leadership. And there came a time I had been on their campus. I did a hybrid program, which was fascinating talking about, um, what learners need today. It was, they designed a program that was absolutely life-changing for me and also was possible for me with three kids and a full-time job. So uh, started as my, my capstone project. And what I wanted to do was examine the crossroads of servant leadership in the marketing profession and from two kind of different angles. One, how does marketing harm or help society? Because I believe it can do both. And then the second piece is really helping marketers and leaders become better leaders and become, if servant leadership is something that speaks to them, then I want to deliver content that helps them think about their work in a new way. So I did 23 episodes in the first season, 
And then I got this job. And so I've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but in January, I've got 10 episodes coming. No way. Yeah. And the next season is, um, it's based on the 10 characteristics of servant leadership. So Robert Greenleaf, who coined the term servant leadership, um, was a Quaker man who had worked at AT AT&T his whole life. He wrote about servant leadership in his retirement. And then when he passed away, there were several scholars who collected all of his work and they discerned these 10 characteristics. And so each episode in the next season focuses on things like empathy, listening, commitment to the growth of people. Um, I just recorded an episode on Friday about foresight and strategy, which was so great. And so I'm excited to bring it back. You know, I'll do 10 That's episodes. awesome. Yeah. And then we'll see, we'll see where we go from there. I love doing it. It brings me a lot of joy to connect with people and, and it itches that scratch for me. I still am just so curious about the way that marketers can, can learn to serve. Absolutely. Well, and I'm, I'm curious about that and I, I recognizing full well that we're coming up on the end of our half hour here, but what are some of the, the key takeaways that you feel marketers can really pick up from servant leadership principles? Yeah. So, you know, there was a couple of things that rose to the surface when I recorded those first 23 episodes. You know, one of them, which is very much rooted in, in the idea of servant leadership is this awareness of oh, self-awareness and as well as awareness around our, our, ourselves. So thinking through some tools that can help us, you know, be more curious about things, slow down our reaction, decision-making time. That was something that, that was, that rose to the top. Another thing was, you know, we are so creative and I love creativity is such a, everyone is creative, creative, but in marketing communications shops, like it's just so amazing to see the work that's done, but we have to be really responsible with that creativity. Like we can come up with really wild ideas, but we have to make sure that it's serving our audiences and serving society. Another one that came up was diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so, you know, I had a great interview, I think in the first season where Barney Abramson talked about, you know, you know, when, when a company is shifting all of a sudden to make their ads more diverse and it comes across, you know, it's very, very transparent in the way that it's done. And so being more cognizant of diversity, equity, inclusion, and making it just part of our normal work rather than something that we do during special celebratory months or after an incident has happened, um, Th- those three themes were, were big ones. I mean, there's just more. I'd like to, I'd like to write a book. Um, so I've got to figure out how to carve out time to do that, but excited to see what else comes to the surface in the next, uh, next season. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, this episode will be coming out in uh, January, 2023 as well. Uh, so, you know, I'm assuming there'll be at least one episode live by the time we're, we're live. So again, check it out, but, but, you know, to, to, uh, to Jenny's point, there are 20 some episodes already available on, on any sort of podcast platform. So there should be plenty to, to scratch that itch in the interim. Jenny, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, and thanks for, for taking the time out to share your thoughts. I so appreciate yeah, it. Thank you for having me. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus Engagement Platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. 
To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.